this time I invite you to join me in your pew Bibles to page 60 where we find our scripture reading for this morning, Genesis chapter 37. We'll read all the way from verse 1 to verse 24. And now the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, and sufficient word. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe. For him, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. Before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, made blessed to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. If you notice the song that we sang, Psalter Hymnal 278, Psalm 133, um, was meant to be sung in contrast to the depiction that we see of, uh, of brothers in this passage this morning. In this passage this morning, as I read it and as I pondered it and as I considered ways that I could expound it to you and, and, and maybe enlighten us and 
can give us encouragement, but also conviction. I really saw that there was two things going on in this passage. And one of the ways that you can look at this passage is by examining the brothers and how they let sin grow in their hearts um, and what that looked like. Something like James chapter 1, where James tells us about how sin grows in our hearts and becomes realized, how it becomes something that actually happens, that actually occurs. He says it like this. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. We can see that in the brothers' lives here. The jealousy, the bitterness, the hate, and what it became eventually. But we can also look at this from another direction. We can look at this passage this morning from the perspective of Joseph. Not that Joseph is without sin. Not that Joseph doesn't struggle with sin. Joseph is not Jesus. Jesus is the greater Joseph, yet in this passage what we see is a person who is experiencing hardship in their lives because of the sin of others. And how much does that really wrap up our human experience? Not only do we fight the enemy within, but we fight people without. Not only do we struggle with our own sin and, and the ways that it can take over our hearts and manifest in our lives, but also we often experience injustices and hurts because of the way that sin manifests in the lives of others around us. That's what I want to look at today. If there's something that I would want you to take away from the passage this morning, it's this. Don't let the sin inside of you or the sinners outside of you keep you from pursuing God's will for your lives. And I'm going to include myself in that statement. Don't let the sin inside of us or the sinners outside of us keep us from pursuing God's will for our lives. And I want to start this passage by looking at it through the lens of the brothers. And if I were going to look at it through the lens of the brothers, I would look at it through these points. The root of bitterness, which is envy, and we see that at the beginning of our passage. The shoot of bitterness, which is the hatred that the brothers grew to have of their brother because they were jealous of him. And then the fruit of bitterness that came from that, the, the desire to murder, the desire to kill. And we see that this morning. Look at verses 4 and 11. In verse 4, we read that 
Joseph was the favorite brother that his father gave him a richly ornamented robe or a multi-technicolor dream coat or a beautiful robe that basically told everybody in that household, in Jacob's household, that Joseph was the chosen one. He was the favored one. He was the one that was intended to carry on the name of Jacob. He was Jacob's favorite. And when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, that's the jealousy part, right? They hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. But also look at verse 11. After the two dreams that Joseph was given by God, the word of God that came to Joseph in dreams that Joseph then declared to his family. Verse 11 tells us that his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. This is envy. Envy that grew in the heart of these brothers. They saw that somebody else got what they didn't get. And that bothered them. That caused them to have covetousness of Joseph. To have envy of Joseph. Joseph was the favorite son. Joseph was the one. And because of that, I'm not saying that's right. Obviously, favoritism in a family is wrong. Obviously, Jacob should have loved all of his children equally. But the question is not, was what Jacob did right in favoring Joseph, the question is, what should the sons have done? How should they have responded? Because I have to be clear with you, there is a part of us, in us, because we're made in the image of God, that we see the injustices that are going on in this world. And we know that when we are the recipient of those injustices, that it's wrong. And when we know that, we can have two responses. We can chew on that. We can revel in it. We can daydream about it. We can let that root of bitterness grow in our hearts. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 15 says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And that is to say that the, the author of the book of Hebrews knew that we as Christians, that we as people are going to experience hardships and difficulties, and often it's not going to be fair. Neither we can hand that over to God, who is king of over all the earth and who will do what is right or we can hold on to it. We can let it make us bitter, envious. And the warning in that is that eventually that root of bitterness sprouts a shoot 
It begins to grow. And it transforms. It becomes something more than just that. It becomes an actual hatred. They hated him. Verse 8. His brother said to him, do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. They let that jealousy, they let that root turn into a shoot. And not only did that root turn into a shoot, it became something more. It manifested in life. It's a principle of reaping and sowing. Sowing and reaping. Eventually, that bitterness in the brother's heart that they let fester, that they let grow, they probably all got together when Joseph wasn't around and they talked about how annoying he was and how bothersome he was and how they wished they could just get rid of him. They probably talked about how Joseph was no good. And why doesn't Jacob see that he's just an annoying little kid. And he's, a, he's, they probably did that all the time. And they let that grow in them. They let that sinfulness grow in their hearts. Until it became death murder. Look at what we see. Joseph then goes to find his brothers. And as he's way off in the distance, they say, here comes that dreamer. And you notice here that it doesn't say Reuben said this. It doesn't say that Levi said this. It just says they all said this to show you that this is a collective expression. This is a collective feeling about Joseph. Here comes that dreamer. And they said, let's kill him. And throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. You want to know what bitterness does in your heart? You want to know what becomes of your life? If you chew on that, if you don't let go, if you don't forgive, if you don't give it to God, if you let it sit in your heart all the time, it becomes this. turns you into this. And sometimes we don't even think about how bad this situation is. But this is what I want you to think about. This is their brother. This is their brother. And what they did with him, because of what Reuben said here, what they did with him was they stripped him of his robe And they threw him in a dark, deep pit. And then they went and had lunch. One time I was watching like a true crime documentary. And uh, of course, one of the first things they try to do is establish for you how bad this person is that commits all these murders. And I don't know all the details, but one of the things I do remember about this true crime story is that this, um, this serial killer would come into somebody's house, they would kill them, and they would sit at their table and eat. And that's supposed to be disturbing because 
It's hard for us who have a, a sliver of humanity to think about how somebody could do something so cruel and then right after it, get comfortable. Sit down and have a meal. In fact, later on in the story, Joseph's story, we'll hear that the brothers, when they confess, they will say, we know that we have turned so far away from God. We know that that bitterness and that hate had ruled our lives because as we sat there and we said, hey, pass the salt. Hey, pass the pepper. Hey, can I have some of that bread there? That Joseph was crying out, please help me. Please, please, I'm hurt. Please get me out of here, guys. And they did nothing. How bad does your heart, how sick does your heart have to get for your own brother to be crying out in a dark pit? Please, guys, please help me. I'm hurt. Get me out of here, please. I promise I won't say anything to death. And you sit there and you eat lunch. Don't let the sin inside of you rule over your life. If you want to know what that looks like, it looks like what happened in this story this morning in Joseph's brother's life. The root of bitterness grows into the shoot of bitterness, grows into the fruit of bitterness. Don't let sin reign over your heart and keep you from pursuing God's will for your lives. But what about Joseph? What does he teach us this morning in this passage? He teaches us that sometimes the things that happen to us, the bad things that happen to us, are not our fault. They happen to us because of the sin in other people's hearts. Sometimes we are hurt and we're innocent. And Joseph here is simply doing an errand for his father. He's going and he's finding them his brothers, he's checking in on them. He's going to go report back to their dad and tell them everything's good, everything's fine. And here he comes to his brothers thinking everything should be fine. And what do they do? They plot to kill him. And the truth of the matter is, if the brothers in this passage can be a warning for us, then I think that Joseph in this passage can be an encouragement for us. Because we see here that Joseph works very hard to find his brothers. In fact, it's a couple days' journey we don't think of it this way because we don't have a map in front of us or it's difficult to consider or ponder distances. But Joseph is diligent in finding his brothers and seeking them out. And we see here that what they do, 
in this moment. Even though Reuben seeks to intervene, even though we'll find out later that Judah uh, um, convinces them not to kill him, but to rather sell him into slavery to, uh, to some Ishmaelites who are coming by. That they take Joseph's robe. The richly ornamented robe that he is wearing. And they take it from him. And they throw him naked into the pit. Joseph looks very much like Jesus in this moment. Stripped naked, cast out, the innocent one, experiencing the punishment, experiencing the hurt of other people's sins. But often when I think of Christ in that moment, when he was stripped naked, when he was beaten, when he was mocked, I think of the reality that came from that. That Jesus' nakedness that he experienced was so that we could be clothed. So that we, as believers in him, could be the Father's chosen and favored child, clothed with the righteousness of Christ, given that multi-technicolor dream coat. And the truth of the matter is that just like Joseph's brothers saw that coat and they said, we don't like that he's the favored son. We don't like it. A lot of people in this world are not going to like that we wear the righteousness of Christ that we are the favored one of the Father. They're not going to like that. They're going to seek to strip us of that robe. They're going to seek to punish us. They're going to seek to hurt us. And the greatest thing that we can hold on to in all of this is that no matter how hard they try, they cannot take it from us. They cannot strip us of the righteousness of Christ, nor can they keep us from accomplishing God's will for our lives. So yes, we have to be on guard against the sin in our own heart, but we also have to be on guard against those who would seek to strive against us, the enemy who would seek to keep us from accomplishing God's will for our lives. And here's the reality that we have to take in. The whole picture of the Joseph story that these brothers, they looked at Joseph from far off and they said, let's take him, let's kill him, and then let's see if his dreams come true. They mocked the word of God. And they thought they could keep the word of God from coming true. Yet in their attempt, they brought about the actual word of God. That God took their evil deeds and their evil actions, the sin... Yes, I'm telling you that even when some sin against you, yes, I'm telling you that even when you sin, that God can take those things and use them to accomplish His will for our lives and His will for this world. That when they stripped Him, 
and they threw him in the pit and they sold him into slavery. They didn't realize that what they intended for evil, God intended for good. That Joseph's life, that God's will for Joseph's life was that he would be kept so that he could save many in Egypt. And what the people in this world don't understand is that even though they seek to strip us of that robe that Christ has given us, that calls us favored children of God, the son and daughter of the king, and that even though they may seek to give us hardship and hurt, that even though people we love might hurt us, Those things cannot keep God from accomplishing his will for our lives. They did not do so in Joseph's life. They did not do so in his brother's lives. And they cannot do so in our lives. So yes, I began this sermon by saying, don't let the sin inside of us or the sinners outside of us keep us from pursuing God's will for our lives. But what the scriptures actually teach us is that the sin inside of us, nor the sinners outside of us, can keep God from accomplishing his will in our lives. They cannot, and they will not. And the confidence that we should have from that is that God will accomplish his will. He will do in our lives what is for our good and for his glory, despite our sin and despite the sin of others. In fact, he might do so, he might accomplish the will of God in our lives through our sin and through the sin of others. Does that mean that we seek to jump into that sin? Does that mean we must sin in order to accomplish God's will? No, we're called to resist sin in our own lives. And we're called to be patient and understanding when we experience the hurt and the pain that other, other people's sin brings to us and brings in our life. But we can confidently hold on to this reality that God will accomplish His Word. That we can trust in the promises of God. And that because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of his perfect and completed work on the cross, we are the favored children of the Father. And we do not have to let sin reign over our hearts and our lives. We can live knowing that God is working in us, that God is working through us, and that when all the dust settles, when everything comes to its great conclusion, we will see the whole picture. And we will know that what God has done in our lives is amazing. beautiful and there can be no wrong in it 
Amen. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you that you have given us a great salvation in Jesus Christ, that you will accomplish your will in our lives despite our own sin and despite the sin of others. We pray, Lord, that you would keep us and guard us from bitterness, from envy, from hate, from murder, death. We pray as well, Lord, that you would keep us patiently abiding in your will for our lives despite the hurt and the pain that we might have experienced in our lives through the sin of others. We pray, Lord, that we will be believing, hoping, and confident that you will accomplish your word, that we can trust it, and that you will do in our lives what is for our good and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.